Welcome back to your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick. It's Bob. In my work with all kinds of organizations, I encounter a lot of very unbalanced relationships between employers and employees, usually with the benefit going to the employer. With the recent pandemic and the shifting economy, we're seeing more power in the hands of employees and potential employees than ever before. Today, Nick and I talk about that power shift, and I offer some serious advice for both sides in this tug of war. Check it out. I deal with a lot of HR professionals, and most of them I really love. Um, but some of them, man, they forget the H part of it. They're all about the resource. They're all about, I've got to create systems to manage this massive workforce versus I've got to find ways to empower and unleash these incredible human beings to do yeah. the best work possible. In fact, empowering and unleashing scares a lot of the HR professionals that I've worked with. I should say a lot, but a good number of them. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think that when you first said empower and unleash, I'm like, that sounds scary because somebody might be too open. They might be too creative. They might be too loud and brash. They might make too many big mistakes because they've run at it from a different angle. Yeah. Well, and it might hurt other people's feelings. Like I remember, mm. I, I remember, and this is happening still with work from home, even though it's much more acceptable is you have departments within one organization that can't work from home. They're yeah. customer facing, they have to be there. But then you have other departments that can do that very easily. And you have this weird kind of feeling of, well, how come they get to work from home? That is a constant dynamic in the corporate workforce. Yeah. And I used to look at it and say, look, you clearly you're not busy enough if you're, if you're so busy looking at what everyone else is doing around here. But that doesn't really cut it because there's a, there's a sense of justice and fairness or injustice and unfairness that comes with somebody getting that delicious, juicy option of working from home. That's a big difference, right? And I know some, like we can't have bedside nurses in hospitals working from home. Yeah. Period. But can the folks from the accounting department at the hospital work from home? Probably. But then you can see where the resentment would, would flow. But I think what we have to do is get over it and make people aware that certain roles predispose themselves to that yeah. and certain roles do not. And, well, but when and, they're coming in. Yeah. And But then you can take the accountant's offices and make it into a really nice nurse's lounge. <laughs> then you're golden. Okay, you know something? I know you were kind of joking when you said that. No, I am 100% serious. There's brilliance to this because what you're saying is for those who have to show up, we need to make it a more palatable environment, more attractive some environment. more amenities. Yeah. Exactly. Attract them in. Now, and this is the thing that's actually happening. They're having to attract. They're having to keep. No longer are people these mindless zombies chained to a machine doing the work they're told to do. They're starting to ask questions and they're starting to leave if they don't like the answers that they're getting. So let me ask you what you thought of this term. And I thought it was brilliant marketing from the employer's perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's, to me, it's baloney. Uh, quiet quitting. See, okay, now, and I'm not sure that I know exactly what quiet quitting is, but my sense is that it's people kind of leaving without actually saying I'm leaving. Oh, no. Okay. No, so the actual, so my understanding of the definition, and, and I could be wrong too, yeah. it's happened once uh, <laughs> is that it is people doing their nine to five job and no more. They're doing what's in their job description. They're not putting in extra hours. They're looking for like work life balance. They're leaving their job at the job oh. when they go home. 
So that's what they mean by that's quiet a quitting. That's sack of baloney. Right. Quiet quitting. So it's not even like I am working on my side hustle while I'm on the clock. No. It is I'm just doing, I'm doing I'm this and maybe it's due tomorrow, but that was an unrealistic goal. So it's not done. Oh, okay. You know, if you are missing deadlines, uh, violating rules uh, or regulations, potentially, potentially. Okay. okay. And right. if it's, if it's not happening, it's not happening, but if it is happening, that's something that requires some accountability, right? I mean, I, I think that's fair, but I think the concept of, when we do what our job descriptions say we're supposed to do and only that, when we work the hours that we're being paid for and only that, that's good contract management. Because we forget when we enter into a relationship with an employer that it's a contract between human beings. But most often what happens is the employer expects that you're going to work more than the 40 hours they're paying you for because the culture they've created inside says everybody stays later. The institutional culture we've created everywhere yeah. Right. Like the expectation, especially for some of the uh, some of the higher potentially higher paying jobs like lawyers or yeah. doctors is that oh you're working you're not working 80 hours a week. How are you going to make partner? Right. Well, and, and here's the thing. We get to choose. Yeah. We get to choose how much we do, how little we do. And the employer gets to choose whether or not they keep us. But I think it's a, a sag of baloney if we're thinking that our employers would ever give us more than their contract demands. You would never find your employer saying, oh, you know something, I've decided I'm going to give you 20 bucks an hour more this week, you know, because you work so hard and you're so great. No. It's rare. Well, very rare. Yeah. Very rare. And that's, this is the thing. It's an uneven relationship in most cases. And, you know, we joked in the past about the proletariat and workers' rights and human rights related to workers' rights. And, it's a real thing. I'm encountered all over the place. I do a lot of talk with people and teach them how to find work-life balance and how to be happy at work. And one of the basic rules is you need to take control of your relationship with your employer. Yeah. You have that power. Now, mind you, you may be pushed against the wall because of the way the culture works, but ultimately it's your choice. And I think we have to make better choices for ourselves, not worrying that, oh, everyone else is doing this, so if I don't do it, they're going to let me go. Chances are, these days especially, no one's letting you go. That's a good point. Yeah, we set the expectation, especially early on. If you started a job and they have set expectations from the way it was in twenty in 2009 mm -hmm. when everybody was looking for work mm -hmm. and you don't reset their expectations. So there is something to the employee and going back to HR, mm -hmm. there is something to HR going, you know, sort of being the corporate representative, but also trying to be the, the person in between the two uh, needs, right? The needs of the employee and the needs of the employer. Too often, HR becomes an agent of the employer and not yeah. of the employees. The best HR departments I've ever seen, the HR folks are champions for the employees. They're out there trying to push the limits in terms of compensation, uh, accountability, uh, training and development. I mean, doing some really good stuff. But there are others that are just, they're accountants of human beings. You know, they're just, I've got to mark the number of this, the number of that, and then let the, let the higher-ups know. Very often, sadly, HR folks aren't actually in the C-suite, which is weird because of like, what's more important than your people in most corporations, right? So I tend to be a little bit of a loudmouth when it comes to this stuff, uh, quite honestly, because there are so many people that I see allowing the corporations to take advantage of them yeah. and burning themselves out in the process. People are For stressing sure. themselves to death. For what? To earn a buck? 
I mean, to keep a job, it just seems to me like it's a bad but, priority. I mean, again, culturally, we've been acclimated to this idea that, okay, this, I mean, this is just the way it's done. Yeah. Well, if you want health insurance, if you want a house, mm-hmm. if you want uh, you know, marriage, if you want kids, you have to tie yourself to a company mm-hmm. and work hard, keep your head down, don't complain, and uh, yeah. Well, the maze was designed by the Minotaur. <laughs> and those who choose to step into it, they face their own perils, right? And the bottom line is the Minotaur is going to win. The Minotaur is going to come out on top. They're going to earn from you. And that's what corporations do. They earn from you. Yeah. They take what you do and they turn it into money. And then they give you a small proportion of that money back, right? I feel like this whole thing of a worker relationship, uh, it's very much like politics. And here's the advice I would offer. Employers, when you have the upper hand, don't screw your employees. Do not, don't wring them out. Don't, don't overuse them and underpay them because there will come a time, and we're seeing that now, where they're going to have some power to make some choices and they're not going to come in and do the stuff you want them to after you've shown them that you can't handle that responsibility. Yeah. By the same token, employees... Don't screw your employer when things get tough for them. Let's find a way to negotiate and work it out so that we can both find what we need from this relationship. I think it's becoming more even, which is exciting, but I think we drones don't know how to use the power that we're getting back. And so part of what I do when I'm out there is nudging my fellow bees, you know, hey, look, you know, you have a choice here. You can actually do something. And even if just a few of them do it, I'll feel like it at least had some impact there. I'm just tired of watching people have money be made on them. Hey, it's Nick. Thanks for listening. Could Bob make better points about the relationship between companies and workers? I don't think so. Which side you're on definitely affects your perspective on this topic. And I'm not even talking about an owner versus an employee mindset. For example, I was very indoctrinated on a lot of corporate policies. And then I became a freelancer. I think that old chestnut applies pretty well here. The one about walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. Remember to do that every once in a while and get your steps in. Have a great day.